The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous supporters. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash donate. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode number 83. Hi, I'm Don Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. Today, we're discussing the 10th Doctor story, Fear Her. Joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Great. So, folks, I want to first ask you all if you could do us a favor, which is to please... uh, If you're enjoying this series, The Secrets of Doctor Who, and if you're not, why are you listening? Uh, So I presume that because you're listening, you are enjoying it. (laughs) Please like and share uh, the episodes on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, You know, retweet on Twitter. Uh, Follow SQPN on Facebook and then uh, go to the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page. Like the episodes. Share them to folks. The the reason I ask this is not just because I'm insecure and I need your, uh, you know, to to pat me on the back, but because, you know, in order to get the news out about this series that we're doing and the, and, and the, 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 we, we have a lot of fun doing it, but we're doing it for a reason, which is to connect with folks out there. Um, and if we get you to, Spread the word; it helps grow the audience, and we re- reach a lot more people. So, if you can and, like and, and share, and, and we need to grow the audience. Yes, That's the bottom line. Right, right. We need to grow the audience to you know to make this worth our um, investment our t- of time and energy in exactly. Uh, and also, uh, so like and share on Facebook, uh, retweet and favorite on Twitter, and then if you can go to the iTunes Store or to the Google Play uh, Store and leave a review and a rating. Um, reviews help a lot. Uh, if you give us a five-star review and say a few nice words, if a bunch of people do that in a short period of time, it boosts us in in the rankings that are on the stores and gets noticed by people. Uh, again, we, we do this because we want to connect with folks and we and we, we enjoy the show, but it's a lot of time and effort to, you know, to mm-hmm. do all this. And um, if we're not connected with folks, we'll, we'll find something else to do uh, or, you know, we'll just t- talk to each other. Uh, but the thing is, we want to do this. We want to connect with folks. And so if you could help us with that, we'd really appreciate it. And that's all I, I really want to say about that. So Fear Her, uh, it's a 10th Doctor story um, set in yeah. set in London 2012 at the time of the 2012 Summer Olympics, but of course aired Would in you- 2006. Right, so it's like six years in their future, but right. it's now six, six years, years in, in our, our past. past. Exactly, and, and this, Which this is, is, as I recall, like, it doesn't recall seem this like. Would, sorry, it doesn't sorry. seem like it was that long ago. Yeah. Six six whole years. I remember yeah. when the twenty twelve London Olympics happened. Exactly. Well, it's it's funny too because I think this episode would have come out, you know, what within a year of London receiving the. Olympics, yeah, the, the announcement. Mm-hmm. It was like something like that because it's usually six to eight years or something like that in advance. They know where the next Olympics are going to be. Yeah, and in fact, the logos, the Olympic logo they use is not the logo 
from the actual Olympics, as awful as that was. I don't know if you guys remember yeah. how ugly that was. <laughs> but it, it was the logo of the bid. So the so uh, pr- prospective cities have to put in a bid to the uh, the Olympic Committee, and it was a logo that was on their bidding proposal as opposed to the final uh, logo. Right. And Yeah, they, they just use, like, for example, they show the Olympic Stadium, and it's just a generic soccer stadium somewhere. Right. And, because they had no idea what the stadium was going to look like. Again, like I said, the logos they didn't have that. The torch right. was probably something they made up that looks like a Actually, Olympic torch. It ended. The torch ended up looking a lot like the actual Olympic torch, which is kind of funny. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if somebody saw that and said, "Hey, that would be a good idea." It has a, a semi flame look to I'm, it. I'm, so. I'm sure the the BBC worked with the the British Olympic Committee, whatever they call them. You know, uh, yeah. their their Olympic Committee. So as they're developing the process for the 2012 Olympics, the BBC was there working with them so that some of this stuff will match what ended up being. It just was very early in the process, too, though. So they had no idea what the designs would look like in the right. end. Right. So let's start assigning blame. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the last week we did or recently we did a um, uh, an episode on. Uh, Love, and Love and Monsters, which is oh, yes. widely regarded as one of the worst. But I and, and and at the time, I expressed my view that actually the first two thirds of that is quite enjoyable. And then mm-hmm. it kind of goes off a cliff in the last third. Well, this one started to go on the downslope really early. Yeah. And it didn't give me a nice 40 minutes of enjoyable characters before bad writing started happening. Um, <laughs> this this one is by a guy named Matthew Graham, who the, it looks like the only other thing he's written for Doctor Who is a pair of, uh, of 11th Doctor uh, Matt Smith episodes, The Rebel Flesh and The Almost People, which mm. were better. I, they, they raised some interesting points philosophically, I remember. I, li- I liked them better. Um, I also thought they were somewhat flawed. But this one, uh, it just it, – it starts and just immediately starts rolling downhill for me. And so Matthew Graham takes a lot of the blame for writing it, and so does Russell T. Davis for approving it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, in fact, you're not alone in, in that assessment, Jimmy, because in 2014 – actually, several times, but most recently in 2014 – it was ranked the worst of the new Who episodes. This is below the Slovene. That's saying a lot. <laughs> below Love That's and below Monsters. Di- dinosaurs on a spaceship. I mean, it, it beat that one out. Yeah. The, the entire episode was yeah. built so the That's... doctor could say, there are dinosaurs on a spaceship. That, that whole episode was built for that. <laughs> yeah. And this beat yeah, that well, out. <laughs> what year was Dinosaurs on a Spaceship? Because remember, this was 2014. So we'd have to go. So and, that would have been. Hmm. Maybe, uh, maybe dinosaurs and spaceship hadn't come out yet. No, that was 2012. So yeah, <laughs> so that was sorry. Out. Even including dinosaurs on the spaceship, fans uh, dislike this one worse. Uh, so you're not alone, Jimmy. And, and frankly, I, I agree. I mean, part of it was part of it was the child acting. I mean, mm-hmm. the the girl was 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 fine as a child. I mean, I hate to speak ill of a child actors, but. Yeah, it, it was weird, like the whole strange horse whisper as the voice of the alien. And well, mm-hmm. well so let's let's sort of recap what this is about for folks in case you haven't watched it uh, in a while. Um, so like we said, it's the Lon- London 2012 Olympics, the day of the opening ceremonies. Um, 
the Tenth Doctor and Rose, they land in this uh, on this street called Dame Kelly Holmes Close. Close is sort of a close, close. So sort of mm-hmm. a street name, like like street road circle. Yeah, a close is a is a kind of narrow. Originally, it was like kind of a narrowing of the road that would lead into like a housing development. Okay, okay. So and it's sort of got this look of uh, you know idyllic. A middle class suburban neighborhood uh, mm-hmm. uh, in uh, Stratford, London is where, where this is yeah. supposed to be. And it's kind of everyone is living in sort of brownstones, kind yeah. of like that. Townhouses yes. type setup. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, and the Olympic torch is on its last leg is going to run through this neighborhood on its way to uh, the, the stadium. And. That's it, prompted the city council to fill in all the potholes. <laughs> yes, <that's right. laughs> yes, the, the council of states, uh, the council is, is filling the potholes, and and there's a, of course, the doctor and Rose to materialize here because they're going to see the Olympics, uh, op- you know, opening games, and of course, a mystery: uh, uh, children are disappearing off the street, and uh, yeah. apparently because this one little girl with an anger problem, um, who. Uh, She's also mean- possessed by an alien by an alien child with an anger problem. Right. Uh, yep. She draws them into cart- uh, comics or, or dra- like crayon Children's drawings. drawings. Children's drawings. Yeah. That's what yep. I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, okay. It- so this is an attempt to take something quotidian. Yes. And make it scary, which right. is something mm-hmm. Doctor Who does a lot. You know, like the yep. Weeping Angels is the classic example. Oh, yes. Of, you know, these, these angel statues are totally normal to see and they don't even move. And now let's make them terrifying. Right. And and Doctor Who does that a lot. Stephen Moffat in particular does that a lot. Matthew Graham, not as successful with it. Um, <laughs> yeah. These children's drawings are are not really scary. Um, I mean, we see the girl drawing them preternaturally fast, which just means they speed up the film. Right. Um, and and then the person vanishes out of real life and appears now that the as soon as the drawing is complete, whatever she's drawn vanishes out of real life. But then there's no consistent world building around this. I mean, why does this happen? We are never given an explanation for why this happens. It's just something the alien can do for some right. reason. Right. And then they, the things behave inconsistently. Early on, we see uh, after she draws a neighborhood boy into a picture, we see the picture of him running and screaming in this kind of animated, semi-animated way, suggesting these things can move and they're in the experiencing drawing. in the yeah. drawing and yep. that the drawings themselves can move and 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 he and they experience trauma. But then for the rest of the episode, we don't see any of them moving. Uh, she talks mm-hmm. to them as if they're unhappy and is telling them they shouldn't be because she's drawing all these other friends for them. But they're not in the same drawing, so they're not really together. She's just sticking them on her wall. And none of them move, except right at the very end, when it's needed for plot purposes, we see that uh, the picture of the doctor that she's drawn has moved its arm. Right. It's pointing at something that he drew. That he drew, apparently, within the drawing. That's the (laughs) Olympic torch. But but so but we don't even see that moving. We just see his arm has moved. Well, and then um, there's a whole nother set of drawing or two more yep. different kinds of drawing. There's a right. drawing that gets released into the real world, which is a scribble that she makes. Yeah. scribble. 
that and that I kind of liked. The scribble I thought was effective, yeah. um, mm-hmm. it, and that was an accident. So I can accept this is an accident. This isn't how it normally works. But it's the opposite the, of the of the what she's doing. So, it, right. so right, and it leads to the third kind of drawing, which is so she's the dad. An, yeah she's an abused child whose mm. abusive father is now dead due to some kind of accident, and she's drawn a picture of him. It's a very scary picture of him on the wall of her closet, inside the closet. So, you know, we have the monster in the closet uh, mm-hmm. scenario who is coming alive and coming out of the... So we have something that's coming out of a drawing at right. some point, but not mm-hmm. right the second and no explanation and, why and, it takes so long. Yeah. And before that, he's just... There's a red light coming out of the closet and he's he's saying mean things and yeah. that's supposed to be yeah. scary. But there's just no cohesion to this concept. It's all over the map. And no explanation oh, and, that connects with the alien creature that yeah. is apparently making this all possible. Uh, they I mean, right. kind of make the doctor kind of, you know, waves his hand a little bit and says that these spore like creatures that float through space uh, live in a, a sort of a, a virtual reality with one another where they kind of they can create a reality from their imagination. And so that's supposed to be the explanation mm-hmm. for this. Well, and the fact is, this is one of these episodes where the message drove the episode. Right. They had a message they wanted to put out there. And I'm sorry, it doesn't matter what the message is. It doesn't matter if it's a Christian message. It doesn't matter if it's an atheist message. It doesn't matter if it's left, right, up, down. That always makes for a bad story. Well, I'm I'm okay with up and down messages for a change. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm okay with a message. I just don't want to be beat about that. Well, that's I'm sorry. It's a wrong phrase to use in this context. But I don't want it to be like so very like. This is a after school special message for you. you well, know? and that's and that's the kind of difference, you know, the distinction of a message within a story. Right. And a story that is a message. Right. And in this and case, just, it's just just yeah. to be clear, the message in this case is child abuse is bad and the Olympics are good. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it, and, and, and by the way, note how many abusive parents is this this season alone? I know. I know. Right. It's it's over. It's a little overbearing, and it's. But even from a from a production standpoint, why would the BBC want to have the Olympics, which is they're broad going to be broadcasting? Why would anyone want to have the Olympics associated with child abuse? Like even mm. when we're trying, you know, it's an episode about stopping child abuse. Why would you even want to have be within a, a country mile of an episode about child abuse? It's exactly. bizarre. It's so bizarre. So. But that's the other the other big thing to note about this is nobody dies in this one. This is a, a Doctor Who mm-hmm. uh, episode that nobody dies. Everybody comes back. Uh, well, and, except the dead dad that they sing away into oblivion with well, a, with with an Australian so- children's song that nobody knows and isn't that great. Yeah. And it's just more <laughs> cliche. The power of love is going to banish the evil father. <laughs> Right, and to be fair, he was already dead. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So well. he, he doesn't actually well, die in the episode. He died. Maybe they could get together with the Captain Planet kids, and they can save the save the world <laughs> and everything. So a couple. So there, there, there are a couple of fun little notes in this. Um, I did like when the TARDIS materialized between the construction containers. Yes, and, and it fits perfectly in between them, except it it materialized sideways so that the door was was like right at the container next to it and there's no way to get out and he had to dematerialize and rematerialize 
while turning uh, 90 degrees. <laughs> and I think that's a, that's a great recognition of maybe, you know, the, the things don't always land perfectly. So I, I did like yeah. that. Um, that was that was nice. I also I thought to to compliment a few things. I thought at the beginning of the episode when the children are disappearing, I know some for some parents just entertaining that concept, you know, could oh, really yeah. push their buttons. And yeah. so I thought that started on a kind of promising note of generating some real horror on the part of parents. But then as it goes along, it just all disintegrates. Yeah. I also liked I liked the scribble. I yeah. liked how when the doctor analyzed it, it's like this is graphite, you know. Right. And, and even erased a little bit of it with the with the eraser. <laughs> yeah, although that wouldn't quite happen. Yes. Um th there was uh, th this moment when the 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 neighborhood sort of as the doctor is, is there with Rose initially and then the neighborhood kind of gathers and people are getting angry and arguing and the doctor kind of is trying to get a word in edgewise can't and calms them all with this by saying oh, fingers on lips and he yells at them and everyone has to put their finger on their lips like they're in uh, in uh, first grade or kindergarten, which <laughs> yeah. is uh, very humorous. Um, I, I liked at one point once they realize that the problem is 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 with Chloe, the little girl, but they haven't met her yet. Uh, the doctor who is pretending to be like uh, I forget what he is. He's pretending to be some kind of like government official. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and he's got the psychic paper. But then they once they've realized it's in Chloe's house that the problem is originating, uh, they go to the door and they and they ring the doorbell and Chloe's mom comes to the door. And the doctor says, I'm the doctor and this is Rose. Can we see your daughter? And the woman does what any parent would do in that situation. She says, no. Yeah. And the doctor says, <laughs> OK, bye. <laughs> and 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 I like that writing. It plays nicely on the comedic level. Um, then uh, he uses a twist and he said he just adds a little bit. He says, we'll let you get on with things on your own. And Chloe's mom, of course, has been grappling with what to do in this situation. Mm -hmm. And so the thought of being left on her own, the doctor has just used what used to be called reverse psychology yep. on her to, to, to let him in. And it works. And I, I thought that was nice. I also liked um, in this episode, we have the doctor making the Vulcan salute. Yes, that um, was fun. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. A uh, little nod to another franchise there. But then he does. Uh, she does it back to him. And then. You notice he then does a mind meld on her. Yeah. <laughs> sort of a telepathy thing with her. Uh, but it looked like a mind meld. Um, you know, speaking of the, the, the when the doctor uses the reverse psychology to get in the house and Trish then asks him, can you help her? Then, then comes the moment that, Jimmy, you're always talking about with New Who is the, sort of the, the one of the downfalls is the doctor just smiles smugly and says, yes, I can. Like. The, yeah. the doctor can always do everything. And, yep. and that's some, I am all that. Yeah. Exactly. A, a little too much. Uh, you know, he's a little too much. And in fact, he almost doesn't because it's really he gets uh, caught she, up in it. She picturizes him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and and one, and that's why actually one thing I liked about later in the episode mm -hmm. is that uh, Rose is left on her own to solve the problem. Right. right. And I think it's poorly executed. Um, right. But I like the fact that the doctor is taken out of the picture, so to speak. Right. And uh, and Rose has to stand on her own two feet. That's nice in concept. It's just the execution was bad. Right. So we have hmm. both doctor separation and TARDIS separation. Uh, they mm -hmm. both get dropped into the, the picture uh, that gets drawn. 
And so Rose is on her own. And, and plus the, the very strange device that the doctor creates that he's, you know, it's supposed to solve everything. And when he gets picturized, it drops to the ground, shatters to a million pieces. And Rose now has to yeah. like make do with whatever she can figure out. Um, yeah. so a couple other fun little bits. Um, at one point they find there's a cat that gets caught up that the, mm-hmm. the girl puts in the picture to keep the little boy Manuel, uh, company. Uh, but when they see the cat, the doctor says, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a cat person anymore. Not after a cat, after cat nuns attack you, I'm not interested anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. A throwback to the cat nuns. I, I, I actually, his line at that, before he says the bit about the nuns is I'm not really a cat person. And I thought that's a risk. There are a lot of cat people in the audience and you just risk alienating them from the doctor a little bit. <laughs> if I was, if I was the showrunner, I wouldn't have cleared that line. Yeah. Well, I think, it you probably, wouldn't have cleared this entire episode either, though. Yeah, right. Well, true. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think maybe because of the cat nun thing. Uh, uh, the, no, that was kind of a clever the, play on the beginning of the season. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, did you notice that Chloe uh, in her bedroom had on the back of her bedroom door a bunch of uh, Native American dream catchers there mm. uh, kind oh. of playing on the idea that these things from her dreams, like especially her nightmares is coming alive. Right. I, I think it reinforces the idea of like how she's been having nightmares about uh, this abusive father that who, who has mm. died. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's and we so, never see the father's face or his picture, uh, his real face or picture. Yes. Or, like right. apart from the drawing. Yes. Um, the, yes, we don't. And you now there's another we weird thing. The drawing. What's that? We, we, saw- just see, we, don't, we just see his silhouette as he's walking by after oh. he's been animated. No, we see the drawing in the closet with the glowing red eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I missed that. Yeah. So uh, when Rose discovers it, she certainly, she sees it in there and it's, you know, the glowing red eyes, Chloe, I'm coming for you. And it's, you know, the whole thing. And then there's oh, this yeah. weird moment where Rose is sort of hypnotized by it and drawn into it. Again, mm-hmm. no explanation. The doctor comes and rescues her, but there's no real explanation for why she feels like she's drawn to it or uh, it was kind of a weird moment. And, um, and the mom is sort of like, okay, time to go. Like, no, I'm, I'm ignoring the fact that there's this frightening supernatural event happening in my daughter's closet. So goodbye. You need to go now. Uh, Hello, let's deal with this. And and even after they figured out the drawings are the problem and they, you know, the mom tries taking all of the pencils away from Chloe. Chloe keeps coming up with pencils from out of nowhere. <laughs> and at one point, they, they, Rose tells the mom, don't leave her alone no matter what happens. And then she leaves her alone. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Parents. <laughs> what kind of parents are you? Uh, so uh, then we, the doctor figures out that this is this creature called an isolus. And it's a, like I said, it's a spore creature's. Who are intensely social and live off of empathic energy. You know, they have four billion siblings that they float around in space with in little tiny spaceships that are smaller than an egg. Right. Yep. Um, and at one point, the doctor mentions the shadow proclamation. Which was this the first mention no, of it? The, no, the first mention of the shadow proclamation is in the episode Rose that yep. launched the, the oh, relaunch. Right. And at this point, the shadow proclamation made sense. Because the the doctor will speak of it as like I'm invoking the shadow proclamation here, it and that makes it clear that this is some kind of like behind the scenes agreement between right. alien races. It's like I'm invoking my First Amendment rights or something yep. like that. There's some document called the shadow proclamation 
that makes legal provisions governing planets like Earth or maybe yep. just Earth. Um, but then later they ruin this concept when they decide the shadow proclamation. Now, proclamation means it's a document. Yep. It's a proclamation, something you proclaim. Right. But um, but then they ruin it by by making it like a shadow outer space government. Mm. It's like an alliance of different races, which makes no sense because you right. don't proclaim a government. A shadowy government. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it seems to, at at odds this, with one another. Yeah. At this point, it makes sense. But later they ruin it. Right. Uh, then another uh, re revelation we get here is uh, when the doctor, doctor and Rosa, Rosa talking about, you know, oh, kids, you know, kids, but you don't know anything about that. And the doctor reveals that he's had kids and Rose Kennedy yeah. is thrown for a loop here. You know, right. Whenever the doctor sort of reveals his alienness, uh, we, we've had this a couple times this season. He reveals his alienness and Rose is sort of reminded that he's just not, you know, the boy she's interested in. And, mm -hmm. it, and it kind of throws her for a loop. But, of course, we know he he has a granddaughter, Susan, that then mm -hmm. thus mm -hmm. must have had kids at the, uh, at one at one point. Yeah. And it just it, 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 it definitely throws her for a loop because of her romantic interest in the doctor, which mm -hmm. is on prominent display in this episode. Yeah. Um, they I mean, she's clearly wanting to marry this guy. And I mean, she's 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 talking about setting up house. And in pre, in recent episodes, she's been talking about setting up house with him mm -hmm. and yep. stuff like that. And at the end of this episode, they have this totally clunky line where after she's been reunited with the doctor and he's come out of the picture, um, she says to him, uh, they keep trying. They who are, you know, the powers of the universe, yeah. I guess, they keep trying to split us up, but they never, ever will. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. And the doctor doesn't answer and just says a storm is approaching. He and, said, well, he says, never say never. Yeah, well, true. Yeah. Never say never. And there's something in the air. A storm is approaching. And that's setting us up for the final two parter of this season where they will be separated. Yes. Yep. R rather permanently, sort of. <laughs> rather permanently, sort of. <laughs> Which is the also, typical. Another really clunky line in this that kind of pertains to the romance theme is at the beginning of the episode where the doctor is like uh, he get as he's walking around the neighborhood, he feels something wherever a child has disappeared. Right. It's like there's some residual energy, kind of like static mm -hmm. electricity or something that he feels. And he says, ooh, the, the hairs on the back of my hand stood up. Look at the hairs on the back of my hairy, manly, hairy hand. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. A bit, that was a bit creepy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like I, I don't, I'm not sure I would ever say that, but uh, yeah, my yeah, you know, I'm I'm a fairly you know, I, 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 I almost fellow. wonder, if, I almost <laughs> wonder if that would be a, a miss, a misspoken line, just because you know what is the phrase we usually say? The hairs on the back of my neck, right? You know, and I, I wonder if that would be a miss misspeak. I don't know. Maybe that's a British way of saying it i don't know well but. The, but they i mean when they shoot that they like they 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 plan out all the shots and that shot was of his hand it was of his okay I yeah forgot you know about that. Yeah. it would be hard but still to it's do. just that seems i mean again that's that's not the common phrase well but but it, well, even whether he says well, look at the hair scene in my hand it's the my manly hairy hand it's like yeah yeah, yeah very very manly uh, we are a little insecure about our 
yeah. manly hairiness. That, that probably would be a, a little better, actually. As creepy as it is, it'd be a little better than, look at the hairs on the back of my hairy, manly neck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my hairy, manly back. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the uh the, the somewhat cheesy uh ending that we get which is um oh somewhat i mean <laughs> uh, man this is pure cheddar this, yes they should have sent this in, in the town of cheddar uh so the the how do so, so the olympic torch as we said is coming through and we find out conveniently that the in order for the isolus's spaceship to be activated it needs to be yeah. in intense heat and the only intense heat they can seem to come up with is the Olympic torch for some reason. There's, there are no ovens. There are no car oh, I, engines. I, my, my note is why not use a cigarette lighter? Because they've Rose has dug up this tiny little spaceship. It's like three inches long. It Because it was attracted to heat, it yes. got attracted to the tar that the road worker was using to uh, fill in the potholes. And so it got stuck in one of the potholes. And so Rose digs it out of the pothole with a pickaxe and then takes it and gets it near the Olympic. She's trying to get it to the Olympic torch so that the torch can heat it up. And it also needs love in addition to heat. So she, she has it feel all of the love of the crowd for the Olympic torch. And I'm going, wow, these people have, I mean. It's good thing I got a dental cleaning this morning because that hurt my teeth, that that sugar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you almost expect oh, to hear I, the, you almost expect the, the background music. Can you feel the love tonight? <laughs> a little Elton John. Well, the thing that gets me is like, you need something hot. Like the the thing that the that the uh, the the actually the character I kind of liked in this one was the guy who was repairing the roads. He was kind of fun, mm -hmm. but the thing he was using to heat up the road that's like a hundred mm -hmm. times hotter than an Olympic torch. Like yeah. Olympic torch is just that <laughs> tiny little flame. Yeah, yeah uh, that's this is meant to melt tar, right? Uh, and so yeah. the runner falls. The runner with the Olympic torch falls to the ground. Uh, you know when it goes in the torch, and for for some reason it makes him collapse. And then the, mm -hmm. they have like the BBC announcer. Uh, Oh no, he's collapsed. It means the Olympic dream is dead. Does, no, is just question, pick it up. Do, does this mean the Olympic dream is dead? What? Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm like, what the heck does that mean? The guy tripped and fell. Somebody else pick up the torch. <laughs> well, and in fact, you know, which, like. Which then happens, and it's the doctor for of no course. good reason. And he runs it up the, into the stadium and up the steps and lights the big cauldron. Uh, which, by the way, in in 2012, there was a petition in Britain to have David Tennant run the torch into the stadium yep. in the, as the doctor. Uh, and he said he was game for it, but they never they never did it. They didn't go for it. Although Matt yeah. Smith, who was the current doctor at the time, did run for it. Uh, with it for a bit in in Wales because mm -hmm. they take people take turns running it around the yeah. host oh, country yeah. uh, like a mile at a time. But yeah, it was that it was so 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 cheesy. It was so bad. Yeah. The only reason the the runner falls is so that they can have the iconic shot of the doctor lighting the Olympic torch. That's the only reason that happens. Right, right. And and you know, by the way, uh, everyone in the world could see that everyone in the Olympic Stadium disappeared and then came back and. Okay, let's just move on then. Like, keep going. Go back to the Olympics. Yeah. yeah, everybody disappeared and they came back, but you know we're fine. I guess we're just you know it must have been a glitch. Uh, let's just go on with the Olympics. 
Yeah, like uh, I would. I mean, I'm not a sports fan to begin with, but if I had been in that stadium and then I disappeared and reappeared, I'm leaving immediately. (laughs) I'm not going to keep cheering. (laughs) (laughs) I was in a picture, a a drawing by a child. Um, They never even talk about what the phenomenology of it is like to be in the picture. Right. What do you experience? Is it like what was that book that we uh, uh, some of us read in school uh, in math class? Um, Flat World. What was it? Um, Flatland. Flatland. Yes, uh, where the every all the characters live in two dimensions. It was uh, math teachers loved it because it was like we're being literary. Uh, but well, but the thing is, actually, this reminds me of that other episode that we come later in Peter Capaldi's era, Flatline, where right. people become. Drawings on a wall. I mean, it's just this. The idea sort of gets recycled there, slightly differently, but it's and, and much better. And yeah, it's much better. Uh, so yeah. Anything else that really needs to be said? I mean, I'm looking at my notes. <clears throat> so, the only thing I noticed the actress who plays Trish, the mom. Just to throw this out there, I was like, who is she? I've seen her before. She was um, in the most recent uh, season of this um, uh, British military thriller series on Cinemax called Strike Back. Uh, hmm. it's, it's it's kind of it's actually kind of a cheesy series, but uh, that's so where I recognize there, her from. Go ahead. There is there is one little uh, Olympic uh, connection in the episode that's kind of hidden. Uh, the name of the street was Dame Kelly Holmes Close. Yeah. Well, D- Dame Kelly Holmes is a real person. She was actually a uh, uh, British middle distance runner, so she would run the eight hundred oh. meters, the six fifteen hundred meters, things like that. She would not, not, you know, not the sprints, not the long endurance races, but the middle races, and she was quite successful as a British Olympic runner, hmm. starting, you know. So um, this, but she's act- since retired. There's actually another uh, Olympic reference in the beginning of the episode. Um, the doctor is telling Rose about having gone to the. Uh, Last London Olympics, uh, Wembley Stadium in 1948, uh, and talking about how I loved it so much, I went back and watched it all over again. And then he's trying to remember the name of the guy who carried the torch, because, of course, reference to him at the end. Uh, what Lovely chap. What was his name? Mark, John, Mark. Well, the guy's name was John Mark. Oh, okay. <laughs> literally, his name was John Mark. So uh, I can't uh, hear that without thinking the biblical John Mark. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Luke yeah. and John, uh, John and Matthew. Uh, so, well, no, but I mean, John, the author of the Gospel of Mark, his his oh, right. Hebrew name was John. Yes, right, right. Marcus right. was his Latin name. Uh, and thankfully, they didn't call, have him be the Gospel John also. It was, yeah. We already, already had a John for a Gospel. Um, so, anything else you said notes. about this? Yeah, a few little, just a couple little things. Um, I liked when the doctor uses the sonic screwdriver to catch the scribble and shrink it into a ball. I Mm -hmm. thought that was neat. Um, I didn't like a line of dialogue where the doctor is trying to talk Chloe's mom into uh, letting him help. And he's describing the problem and how unbelievable it is to ordinary people, including the audience. Right. And, and he says to Chloe's mom, no one is going to believe you except me. And not only is that like a cliche bit of dialogue, <laughs> I, I'm thinking from Rose's perspective, hello, I'm right here. You know, <laughs> right. I, I'm, I, I, it's, the doctor, it, it should be something like no one but Rose and I are going to believe you. Exactly. Because otherwise it just talks as if Rose doesn't count. Um, 
also there's a concept I wanted to pick on. They they in as part of the gesturing uh, at at some kind of explanation for whatever what all's going on. They refer to ionic energy or ionic power. And they're using that as if it's a science fiction term that you can make up the rules for. <clears throat> but in reality, an ion is just an atom that has one more or one fewer yep. electron than normal. We totally understand how ions work. This is this is like <laughs> saying, you know, all this magical stuff is happening because of atomic power. That doesn't, yeah. you know, it's a, this is a real term and it doesn't work that way. Well, right. You know, there's, there's people watching that have ionizers in their house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean. Does that mean I can scribble people into pictures because I have yeah. an ionizer? That would be. However, we'll, we'll learn much more about the problems with, uh, with real science when we do the Silurians. <laughs> yes. <we're, laughs> uh, next time we'll be talking about the classic uh, Doctor Who episode, uh, Doctor Who and the Solarians, uh, where, uh, yes, m we have uh, atomic power showing up. Um, Father Gray, anything else uh, for you on nope. that one? So uh, I think we'll call it then. Uh, if, if that's That'll be it from us on this episode. Uh, we'll, I think it's safe to say that uh, none of us uh, enjoyed it all that much, except as uh, it, as you sometimes enjoy the uh, bad <laughs> writing <Yeah>. and uh, <laughs> acting and things like that. So, uh, but may, but there's always a fan for everything. And I hope that somewhere out there is uh, a listener who was a fan of this episode. And I want you to, to write to us or send us an audio message telling us why we're wrong, because I, I want to hear it. Uh, so, because uh, we did get someone tell us why we were, I, I, we were wrong about Slavine. So, uh, and I'm, I was happy to get that. So I want to always open the door to uh, other opinions. So let us know. Um, go to sqpn.com or to the Secrets of F Doctor Who Facebook page. Find the uh, entry for today's show and uh, on Fear Her and leave a comment there uh, for us. Or send us an email to Who at sqpn.com. You can uh, write out a comment or you can attach an audio message. Maybe you record it with a voice memo uh, app on your phone. Uh, you can find links to all of our personal and social uh, social media and websites on our show notes uh, on sqpn.com. Uh, and like Jimmy said, we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the third Doctor story, Doctor Who and the Silurians, or as uh, some uh, purist fans call it, the Silurians. Uh, we'll talk about why that's why that's the, there's a distinction. Uh, but until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Well, thank you, Dom. Uh, Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening. And remember, I can't stress this enough, ball bearings you can eat. Masterpiece. When will I see you again? Uh, soon, I expect. Or later. One of those.